0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet podcast. I am your host and resident finalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, that was a, uh, it's a different kind of a game than I think we're used to. And the fun thing for me right now is I'm coming in completely blind, um, I'm on Twitter right now, but I can't really see anything. Um, I just pulled up Discord, but I haven't really read what anybody's been talking about, as you can hear. Um, let me mute that. Actually, you probably can't. Um, so the 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 point is, I'm coming in giving you some perspective um completely blind. <laughs> I don't know what the narrative is out there. Usually, there's like this this general group groupy think thing, you know. Refs were awful. We should have done this out of the other. So if there's like a big thing that I don't touch on, it's because I didn't notice it when I was watching the game. So there you go. Um, boy, where to, where to even begin? Um, defense. We won this game because of defense and special teams. What world are we even living in right now? I think overall, I mean, the the, the second half offense was a disaster. I think we can acknowledge that. And the crazy thing is, it's real simple. I, I, in my mind, it comes down to two things. Very, very, very simple things. Number one, for some stupid reason, we made a decision. We will not run the ball with Aaron Jones. Not going to do it. And then the couple times we did, he busts off like eight yard runs. And then we just, again, stopped doing it. I have no idea what in the world it is with this team and not being able to acknowledge what a hot hand is. I don't care what your plans were. And, I, you know, well, when we come in this alignment and they do this and when we do, I don't care. Because whenever you're in the Aaron Jones in the backfield alignment and then they do their alignment and then we run the ball, we get eight yards. So let's do it more often. I don't understand. And so I, as a result... Instead of being in these third and manageables, third and twos, third and threes, which puts you in situations where maybe you could even go it on fourth, we're in these third and longs constantly. Because A.J. Dillon could not get a, a yard to save his life. And he, here's the, the second reason we lost this game. The offensive line is terrible. It's terrible. It's been this way for three straight weeks now. We cannot, Aaron Rodgers has no more than two seconds in that pocket. And it doesn't matter that Elton Jenkins is there. It doesn't matter that David Bakhtiari is there. It doesn't matter who's in there. Every single week, every single game, Aaron Rodgers has no time to throw whatsoever. And and to be honest, I think he handled it pretty well. Sometimes you watch him and it feels like everything's kind of collapsing. Why is there a spider coming down right by my face? Excuse me, young man. Over there. Go sit on my desk or something. Get away from my face. Thank you. Um, He's doing that little thing where he's coming down on his web like two inches from my face. Like, dude, no, I'm sorry. Bad plan on your part. Um, you know, a lot of times with those types of games, you see Rodgers start to get angry, starts to get flustered. You see the accuracy really start to to dissipate. And and I thought, you know, I mean, look at that pass to Lazard was right on the money. Um, and you could argue that there were a couple plays where there were guys open, but not. I mean, that the, the play where Dobbs was streaking across the middle of the field, his eyes were not looking in that direction. There was another play where Aaron Jones was wide open on the right side of the field. He wasn't looking in that direction. And when you have no time, you only have one read to look at when you're running for your life, and it's whoever your eyes happen to be on in that moment. You're not scanning the field. You are You barely can even keep your eyes down the field because you're trying to escape the pocket. It's really, really bad, and you can't, well, the Bucs have a good pass rush. First of all, we've already covered that. They don't. You look at their numbers, it's not that impressive. You, you know, PFF posted team stats. Hackers at 60-some percent, then they went through the top five, and the bot, the fifth team was at 40-some-odd percent. The Bucks weren't even in the top five. So they're likely sub-40% as a team generating pressure. I guarantee you Rogers was under pressure more than 40%, more than 50%. Looked to me like about 85 90% of the time. He never, ever got to sit in the pocket and read the entire field and make a throw. And that's been three weeks in a row. The Vikings defensive tackles all had elite grades in that game against us because our interior offensive line was a joke. The Bears were all over Rodgers basically the entire game, looking like Hall of Famers. I'm sorry, but this offensive line is bad. And as much as I bragged about the, the run blocking and everything, it certainly wasn't very good in this game either. And, you know, again, while well, the Bucks have a good run defense. No, they don't. They didn't last year. They didn't this year until they came up against us. That's not an excuse. That's lame. I said... At the end of last year, what is the one thing that we need if we're actually going to win a Super Bowl? You know what it is? Offensive line. Because if Rodgers can't get comfortable in the pocket and we can't run the ball, we don't score points, we don't go to a Super Bowl. Now, don't get me wrong. Most of this game was positive, but that is unacceptable. You cannot have Rodgers under pressure 90% of the time and expect to win a game. This entire year, Rodgers right now has one of the shortest average target depths in the NFL. Why? Because he has no time to throw. He cannot throw a pass 10 yards down the field. And when all your wide receivers are built on deep passing, you got Romeo Dobbs, who's a speed guy. You got Christian Watson, who's a speed guy. You got Sammy Watkins, who's a speed guy. I mean, I'm glad we got the running backs and Lazard and Cobb that are in there. But all these guys that we brought in are built for big plays. We're never going to get any big plays. You can't get big plays if you have one second to throw the ball. I don't know what the problem is, but they need to fix it because this is pathetic. Other than that, perfect game. (laughs) And and that really is the case. I mean, you know, and, and even if you look at the offensive line, it's probably most of the guys did a great job most of the time, but it just takes one guy getting beat. And if, you know, your offensive linemen are losing like once every six times, well, there's only five of them. That's not a great, that's not a great rate to be at. And it severely limits your offense when, when you can't throw passes beyond five yards, not because of, of the inability of the offensive system, not because of the inability of the quarterback or even the wide receivers. And, and by the way, that's going to be the narrative. This was a low scoring game because of the lack of wide receivers for both teams. That's not true. There was nothing wrong with the wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers didn't have time to throw the ball, and the running game was inefficient, largely because we decided to shoot ourselves in the foot. I don't want to make it sound like I'm angry as though we lost the game. We won the game. I'm excited. I want to get the bad stuff out of the way first. Right? It's early. We got a lot of time to work on this stuff. Uh, You know, blah, blah, blah. But let's talk about it. What the heck? (laughs) Run the ball with Aaron Jones. And we got a pass block better. Have to. I mean, there's no excuse for it. Especially if we get David Bakhtiari back, I don't know exactly, you know, we'll see. Again, my, my biggest concern isn't him coming back, it's, you know, is he going to be okay? If he doesn't play at all next week, then then obviously that means it was a setback, and this is just probably going to be a disaster. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But, you know, you got David Bakhtiari, you got Elton Jenkins, you got John Runyon, who's a great pass blocker. I mean, where is the deficiency? Is it, is it Myers and Runyon? Are they that bad, or what's going on? Is Elton still struggling out there? Is, is did ba- Bakhtiari have a slow day? I don't know. If that's the case, maybe it's just the case of of these guys knocking off some rust. And Myers got hurt, although I can't imagine that was. I mean, that was pretty late in the game. But I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Have to find that out. In fact, PFF might even already kind of have some information on that. We'll we'll look at that in a minute. But honestly, I mean that that that's it. There were there were some issues with the offensive line and their inability to block. And 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 again, this is a. This is a defense that kind of has our number. I, I I don't. I think it has to do with the, the way they play defense is is hard for us to overcome. Our offensive line struggles against them. I, I said this even even in 2020 when they had this elite when they did have this elite defensive line and people were like, well, yeah, that's how good they are. No, it's not. However good they were, like the the two highest sack games they had all year were against the Packers. So even when they were really good, they were really 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 good against us. So I'm sure this was their best game of the season, probably will be for the season. But but the main point here is, this was set up to be a blowout. This was a classic Packers get blown out by the Bucs. Here we go again. Packers always losing Florida. Herter always losing Florida. Can't wait at Florida. Where are you at now? Are you going to knock it off now with that stupid nonsense? Anyway, sorry. This This was. What was the difference? Special teams and especially defense. This wasn't very different than a 38-3 blowout, aside from the fact that our offense drove down the field quite easily in the first half. Should have had 21 points, man, or at least, at least 17. I'm I'm literally sitting there with flashbacks of that Chicago Bear game where we fumbled right at the goal line saying the only thing you can't do is turn it over. Please don't put it on the ground. Within eight seconds of me saying that Aaron Jones coughs it up, it's like you've got to be freaking kidding me. By the way, if the reason Aaron Jones wasn't on the field is because of that, I'm really going to lose my mind. This whole punishing our best players because of nonsense is getting out of control, if that's the case. Christian Watson doesn't get thrown to for two weeks <laughs> because he dropped a pass and Aaron Jones gets pulled. The uh, The only thing that's working, aside from Romeo Dobbs in this offense, is Aaron Jones and, and we're just going to not feature him anymore because he put the ball on the ground. I don't think that's the case, but it's as good a theory as I can come up with for why we decided maybe he had a, a, an injury thing going on, he was getting gassed, I don't know but that i'm just saying that better not be the reason cuz that would be a stupid reason but that really is a big takeaway here this was set up to be a big blowout and it wasn't so so the question is have the packers overcome that that classic situation where our offense can't get anything going and we lose because this was that game the difference is we didn't lose this is how we lost to the 49ers last year this is how we lost to the bucks it felt the same way where the offense isn't able to do anything, but the difference is our special teams was out of control good. Not perfect, but I mean, the punting, holy cow. This is the first game I remember watching in a long time where they were constantly in bad field position and we were constantly in good field position. That never happens. It's always the other way around. We're starting at the five and they start at the forty. The 40, 40s. Why am I talking 40s? I don't know. I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. The offense is gonna have days like this, especially against teams like Tampa Bay. Because regardless of the players, they've got brilliant coaches and they've got a scheme that's really tough to play against. And they really just make it hard to operate. Now we that's not an excuse. You need to be able to do better. Offensive line needs to be able to block better. You should be running the ball more efficiently. You need to be you can't be getting like seven three and outs in a row or whatever the heck that streak was. Oh jeez. Just saw a video. Um you guys probably already know all this stuff again. You see all the cool stuff when you're on social media. I'm just getting caught up. Andrew Brandt said did Lazard just score a touchdown and then puke? Sure enough, he's over there losing his guts on the sideline. There's video on on social media if you're interested in watching it, but I I tell you what, though. Something else that can't go unnoticed is these guys, these boys battling, especially the defense, who spent a lot of time out there in this 90-plus degree heat. No question in my mind a lot of these injuries and whatnot. Jair, I mean, pulling muscles and Hopefully it's nothing serious for him or anybody else, Myers. But, you know, I mean, it's taking a toll on their body. Plus, it sounds like there's a sickness going through. You know, Randall Cobb has got a sickness. Who knows if Lazard caught the bug? I mean, these guys are battling through stuff. Uh, Bakhtiari battling through. I mean, he's not fully healthy. Elton Jenkins probably not fully healthy. So anyways, just as a way to organize my thoughts, I want to kind of run um, run through the roster a little bit. Again, I don't really have a problem with what Aaron Rodgers did on the field today um if he's missing passes if guys are open and he has the ability to throw and he's not pulling the trigger that's one thing if if you see a guy open and you all you peek down at Rodgers and he's running for his life at that moment that's an offensive line problem not a Rodgers problem i think the accuracy has been there been there all season i'm i'm, I'm beyond excited about it the touch on these deep balls you know there's, there's been a couple you know the the which one was it i think Aaron Jones pass got away from him otherwise i think he's looked really really good the man just needs more time he needs more time to work. I mean, it's, it, we're asking enough of them in this offense to be able to operate with guys that aren't fully sure what the heck they're doing out there. You know, you got Romeo Dobbs and Juwan Winfrey tripping over each other. Um, you know, Rogers throws a pick in this game. He seems upset, presumably wanted Tunyon to do something else. I, you know, there's plenty enough problems going on without adding to it. But I don't massively see an Aaron Rodgers problem right now. The running backs, I mean, Aaron Jones is playing on another level. Even for Aaron Jones, he's playing on another level. A.J. Dillon, he's doing a lot of what I saw last week, and I'm going to watch him again this week. But if you looked at the video I did on the Substack, you know, A.J. Dillon does a decent enough job, but he's way too quick to get away from structure. And you see him do this on the plays all the time. He stops and runs another direction. And the problem is we are setting this play up where the blockers are in one area. And if you don't run through this alley, you have no assistance. And if you don't have assistance, you're not going anywhere. The blockers can't help you if they don't know where you are. And so he's doing this thing constantly where he looks and says, nope, it's not there, turns and runs another way, gets hit a yard beyond the line, and then pushes for two more yards. And I know the offensive line's getting pushed, but there were way too many times where it's like, dude, it, that's open. I'm sorry. There, there's an alley there. You got to just run through it. Give your blockers a chance here, man. Plus, I mean, even you got guys trying to make one-handed tackles. Even if they're trying to get a reach, you're a big, strong dude. So, I mean, it's easier to run through an arm tackle than through than, you know, a linebacker and a defensive tackle and a safety who are coming up and popping you. You're not going anywhere. So I know a lot of the time when he's in the backfield, the defense kind of tees off and he doesn't have as much to work with as Aaron Jones. I've noticed there's much more area for Jones to work with usually. But he also has a, a serious problem with just not trusting and trying to, you know, run away from from where he's supposed to be. And it, it's never going to work. Uh, wide receivers, I I thought were phenomenal. Amari was out there. I didn't really get to see what he did. He didn't really get a lot of opportunities. I saw him in motion and and doing those kinds of things. Um, thought he did a, a fine job as a returner. There was, you know, one, one in particular where it's like, come on, dude, what are you calling a fair catch? You had nobody within 15 yards of you, but that's nitpicking at this point. Um, Winfrey, I didn't really get to see very much. Watson, obviously, unfortunately didn't get to play, which I think is a massive blow. As soon as I heard that, I thought, I don't think we're winning this game. And I know that sounds silly for a guy that doesn't catch a lot of passes, but just the ability to stress the defense and stretch stretch things out and really force them to to run sideline to sideline, you lose that ability. Um and 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 pushing the safeties back and just just stressing from sideline to sideline and then, you know, from from well, vertically. That scared me a lot, especially with, you know, no Sammy Watkins, because he would be sort of that number two option to do that. But man, I tell you what, Alan Azard thought he did a decent enough job I'm, I'm pretty annoyed with some of those penalties granted one of them should never have been called but, you know the offense is struggling to get into a rhythm finally get a big play to Romeo Dobbs he goes and gets a first down and Lazard is blasting a dude in the back like come on man but Randall had a real big play in there he's he's always fighting as hard as he possibly can he's, he's one of the hardest runners he's always been that way he gets the ball and he looks like he's gonna kill somebody but star of the day is Romeo Dobbs which is exciting because you know, it's, it's like I said. We can sit here and say Alan Lazard is the number one, but I tell you what, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, these are the guys, and, and we got to get them up to speed. And I hope Christian's okay, but Romeo's just got some special athletic ability. Um, the speed is so evident, which again surprises the heck out of me because you know the athletic profile it wasn't really there as much. But man, he he's first of all the soft hands. He comes into the NFL, you're really worried about his drops and his hands and everything, but he has caught some passes. It just looks like he's got suction cups, and he just takes off. There's so many times you look and go, he's not going to get, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, there he go. whoa, there he goes again. He gets on his horse, man, and he just flies. But um, he's getting a lot of separation. He had other opportunities that he didn't get the ball again because of pressure. I'm guessing you go back and watch, and you're going to see Romeo doing work. So everybody contributed, but but Romeo was for sure the guy. Um, tight ends, I mean, it depends how good of a blocking job they did. I wasn't really impressed whatsoever Tyler Davis had one big play Tunyon was annoying the crap out of me I don't know if you guys got that vibe or not but we're sitting here trying to talk about Tunyon as being this top tier tight end I've never seen a more hesitant every single time he touched the ball I'm like go what are you doing why are you dancing you're standing back like I don't know then he then he gets close to contact and he slows down and he starts to turn sideways like dude man up you're a tight end this is your whole deal right here you're bigger and stronger than that person you get the ball and you run forward real hard and real fast. Dude is dancing out there. I, I don't know, man. I mean, we're, we're already to the point where Tyler Davis seems like a, a, a better player than Robert Tanya. And that's not because Tyler Davis is just killing it out there. It's just Tanya's not doing anything. And when he gets the ball, he's just not impressive. And he's certainly not a deep threat. Uh, Mercedes premier, uh, primarily just a blocker. Uh, I know he was running routes, but I don't. We'll see if he catches a pass at all this year. He needs to because I think he breaks records if he catches passes, as far as age or whatever. Um, and then again, Josiah, I have no idea. I don't know. I know he did a couple of good things out there, but not very high impact, possibly in in the blocking game. But I doubt it because again, the blocking was kind of garbage in this game. Um, and then the offense, again, I, I can't really pick anybody out because I I didn't notice who the issues were. I know there was one play where they replayed Royce, but, um, you know, they kind of passed it off in that moment. So it's I, I remember seeing that on a run play one time. I think it was Royce again where he just kind of passed it off a little too early. And so the I think it was Elton was trying to get inside and, and secure the block. And Royce kind of passed it off too early so he couldn't get in there because Royce is trying to get up to that next level real quick. Um on this play, it looked like they did a little swim move. Royce was out of position. He's like, well, he crossed the line. He's your problem. Now I got to go back over here. So other than that, though, I, I don't know. I don't know where a lot of that pressure came from. Again, have to go back and watch, and PFF will give us some more insights on what they saw. Um, defense across the board, man. I mean, what can you say? I, I hate to even come in here and nitpick or say anybody did anything wrong because, man, it's, it's so impressive. Um, the defensive line, I mean, they, they held their own. They really did. I mean, there were, there were some frustrating moments in there in the run game, but again, we're nitpicking. I think the biggest thing is when he gets stuck behind the defensive line, and it's not even necessarily anybody's fault. There's nobody in a position to make a tackle, but he's stuck there. And then he ends up falling, you know, little gap opens up. He goes for five yards like, dude, he can't stand there for two seconds and nobody brings him down. That's, that's getting to be a little ridiculous. But um, again, I didn't necessarily notice anybody offhand, but um, I know they were disruptive. I know there was a lot of pressure. I know that the um, the run game wasn't wasn't really effective. If it was, they would have had a lot more first downs, obviously. So very excited to see kind of the reports on, on what those guys were able to do. I know Jaron Reed had the fumble recovery. Um, Kenny, I, I, I did notice inside several times, and we'll get into the stats in a minute. But um, Dean, I know at least made one big play. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember cheering for Lowry. Edge guys, I mean, again, Rashawn and Preston were tearing it up. Constant pressure, constantly in his face. I mean, it's tough because Brady gets the ball out of his hand so fast. I mean, he is, he's, hes the same guy he was in New England. He has this ability to get the ball out of his hand so quick that pressure can't get there, but still gets ten yards out of it. I, I don't—I don't know how they do that, but that's just his whole thing. But the pressure was there, and if—if—if the—if the coverage was ever there, Brady was either going down or throwing it away. Almost every time there was there was a a handful. I mean, you can count them on one hand the amount of times. When coverage was holding up and there was no pressure and he had time to kind of sit in the pocket and operate. Um, everything I said about Aaron Rodgers just not having time was true for the Buccaneers. And yes, they have offensive line issues too, but but uh the Packers defensive front is is just a force. I'm not entirely sure about the other guys. Um I did see a heavy dose of Kingsley. I thought I thought Kingsley looked good. I didn't necessarily see um definitive pressures or 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 plays off the edge, but he just looks good. He's he's an imposing force. I wasn't super thrilled with Garvin. The few times that I watched him, you know, especially setting the edge and everything, he looked kind of not great. But again, I'm 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 nitpicking here. Inside linebackers, if I'm getting nitpicky, Devondre was kind of getting picked on. But we're talking about Devondre covering the entire middle of the field by himself against guys like Cole Beasley streaking across the middle. The fact that he was even in enough position to tackle him after about seven yards is is good enough for me. But uh, yeah, he's flying around. He's making all kinds of plays, all kinds of tackles. Obviously, he won the game for us with that uh, pass deflection in the end zone. Quay Walker, I thought looked amazing. I saw they were blitzing him a ton. That just you know getting him in the gaps, even if he dropped. You know they're utilizing him in that it, it, use a, utilizing him in that way. Uh, tackling the crisp. The uh, the coverage was solid. Again, I'm, I know it wasn't a perfect game, but but he just he just looks good. I mean, he's he's a force. He's fast. As far as the coverage, I mean, Jair unfortunately had to go out. That's kind of the, the biggest fear I have right now is him being injured for an extended period for the second year in a row. However, Razul Douglas goes in to fill in his spot. He got picked on a little bit, but I mean is, for, for every bag, bad play he had, he had a real big play that was positive um, to make up for it. But then the, the, the biggest Shock of all was Keyshawn Nixon coming in and covering the slot for Azul and really doing good. I mean, you can tell that they decided in that moment they're going to pick on Keyshawn Nixon, and it did not work in their favor. Nixon was a freaking force on that football field. And then he goes and makes plays on special teams. I mean, he just he just showed up. I love that. I love that to have a have a guy like that, who, by the way, was great through, you know, training cap and everything else. But to get thrown into a game like this, which is which is a Super Bowl caliber match matchup. I mean, this is NFC championship type of football game and to just get thrown in and know that they're coming at you, right? You are the weak link on this defense and they know it and everybody knows it and they're coming at you. And he basically said, you better go somewhere else because it's not going to work over here. And they did. They went other directions (laughs) because that door was closed. But coverage was solid, man. I mean, I, you know, you see, see Stokes get beat once. I saw Jair get beat. You see Rizul get beat a couple times. Um, you know, the safeties, I, I, I don't know entirely how good or bad it was. I mean, Savage came up, saw him make a couple plays. Obviously had the fumble recovery. You know, Quay Walker with a great punch out on that play. And then, then you got some issues too. But overall, I mean, again, you look at this overall quality and every complaint you'll have is, is nitpicky to whole and i don't care what kind of issues they have any team in the NFL to 12 points i don't care if it's the chicago bears the houston texans the seattle seahawks i don't care what the team is and how bad their offense is struggling 12 points is really hard to do and by the way the defense so far has held teams to 12 10 and 23 and 23 was week 1 when they had this sort of you know defensive just implosion so to speak they were already ranked seventh in points last week, and then they gave up 12 to the Buccaneers. Uh, the offense ranked 23rd, and I promise you that's going to drop even further after this game, but whatever. But anyways, you know, special teams, Pat O'Donnell, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many game balls were given out, but if it's just one, it's tempting. That freaking guy. I mean, field position is so critically important in a game like this where, where a, a three, three points changes everything. And you pin him back on the 5-yard line, the 10-yard line. I mean, it, it was incredible. The coverage was incredible. Mason was on point. As always, you're seeing Rudy Ford down the field constantly. Keyshawn Nixon making plays on special teams. And even the returns were not terrible, the the few opportunities he had. I thought he looked fine. I mean, the fact that he's getting positive yards and the ball's not going on the ground, what more do you want from the guy? So that's that's it. Um, pass Pass blocking needs to improve uh we need to learn to to ride the hot hand in this game it was aaron jones and we got away from it we went back to passing and passing and then if we run it was all dylan all day i love dylan and dylan's gonna have games where he's he's gonna be the hot hand and hopefully we ride the hot hand when it happens to be that but he was not the hot hand today that would be aaron jones anyways why don't we take a break here we'll come back go over some of the stats uh we'll see what pff had to say they usually do a real quick recap kind of giving us some of the more specific statistics and grades and whatnot early on that they noticed. If you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Uh, Greatly appreciate it if you consider supporting Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. If you'd like to learn about it, you can go to the website fertilegroundranch.org. But the, the first little blurb here says Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry was birthed out of a burden to help those in our community and congregations who have come out of a difficult past or an addictive lifestyle and who feel called to devote their lives to Christ and his church. So again, FertileGroundRanch.org, if you want to learn more about what it is that they're doing there. Again, that is my father's ministry. He's been working on for about 15 years, a little more than that, I think. And it is finally coming to fruition. If you'd like to find links to that, you can find it at the top of my Twitter page. Otherwise, go to uh, the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. You'll find a pin to the top there. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All righty, Daddy. I should have started with just the stats out of the gate, um, but I wanted to... I just I needed to do it. I needed to get into it um passing aaron rodgers twenty seven to thirty five two hundred and fifty five yards seven point three yards per attempt two touchdowns in the pick forty yards was his longest somehow only took one sack, which is shocking um but you know I mean the ball came out quickly it just that's kind of the problem pass rating one oh three point nine so uh, again it's it's not it's, that's not bad. It's not even Tom Brady's numbers from granted, I'm sure it was a lot of it was inflated on that last drive but 31 of 42, 271 yards, 6.5 yards per attempt, a touchdown, no picks, 25 yards was his longest. He took three sacks, 98.4 pass rating. It's funny, I I thought I remembered mentioning, let let me just, I got to do this. I wanted to just go through the stats, but let me do this real quick. I remember somebody had a podcast and was talking about how the Packers have better wide receivers than Tampa. How Rodgers is better than Brady and how Brady is actually going to struggle a lot more in this game because this is a different animal. I remember somebody talking about that. I can't remember who exactly it was. I remember mentioning our offensive line is better than their offensive line and our defensive line and our pass rush is better than their pass rush despite the fact that everybody's talking about their pass rush. It's weird. I wish I could remember who that was. The guy sounds like a genius, whoever he is. Anyways, running the ball. Aaron Rodgers, one carry for negative one yards. Well done. Aaron Jones, 12 carries, 36 yards, 3.0 yards per carry. I know that doesn't sound super impressive because it's not. There was a lot of one-yard gains, but the difference is he was the one getting the chunk yards. A.J. Dillon, 12 carries, 32 yards, 2.7 yards per attempt. Not that much worse, but I'll be honest, I'm a little surprised by the numbers. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Again, this this is my first reaction. He did have the longest carry, but that doesn't really help the case all that much when they're basically the same yards per carry. And they both ran 12 times. So it wasn't all Dylan all day, although he was out there a lot more, especially in the second half. Receiving. We got a bunch of guys here. Juwan Winfrey, two targets, zero receptions. Uh, Tyler Davis, two targets, two receptions, 26 yards. His longest was 23 yards. AJ Dillon, three targets, two receptions for six yards. That one was magical. Aaron Jones, four targets, three receptions for 11 yards and a fumble. Randall Cobb, two targets, two receptions, 57 yards, including his 40-yard scamper. Robert Tunyon, uh, heavily involved, seven targets, six receptions, 37 yards. Again, kind of wish you would, you know, give it a little. Nine yards was his longest. Alan Lazard, six targets, four receptions, 45 yards, 26 yards was his longest, and added a touchdown. And then star of the day, Romeo Dobbs, eight targets, eight receptions, 73 yards, and a TD. What up, though? Eight targets, eight receptions. How about them drops, man? He's getting a little better with that. But, eight targets, eight receptions. By the way, I just saw on the Twitters here, via Jacob Morley, Romeo was one catch-off from the franchise rookie record. Wait till he isn't playing the best secondary in the NFL. I think he means second best secondary in the NFL. Maybe they have a better secondary. I don't know. It's close. These are these are probably the two best, but you know I haven't compared all of them. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it, this is this is what a lot of people have been waiting for, right? We know the talent is there. Rogers and 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 Lafleur know the talent is there, but we're slowly bringing them along. But it's one of those things where you just watch it and you can say, you can see the talent gap, which is a great thing that we've added this level of talent. No no disrespect to Alan Lazard, he brings his own element of talent and in the, the cohesion between he and Rogers and the physicality that he plays with man they showed that replay of him just knocking a dude out. That was that made me so happy. And then, then the next play I think he burned him on that, that uh deep pass. The twenty six Yada. But um, yeah, I mean it's just you you can just see it with Romeo, man. He he's his ability to separate is Heads and tails more so than anybody else. I don't know that we really have a guy that can do that on this team, aside from him and Christian Watson and probably Sammy a little bit. Lazard can do it kind of, but it's more or less like we saw in that play. You, you, you catch him the right way and you can kind of keep a little bit of distance, but you know we don't really have that Devontae just cooks him off the line and gets a wide open kind of thing. Romeo is a little bit more that way, especially with the speed, and they leaned on him and, it, and it, we were rewarded. And I, I believe we would happen to have that happen with Christian as well. I really do. I, I, it's, it's a little bit, you know, higher risk because there's probably going to be some, some deeper passes and whatnot. But, I mean, as, as fast as Romeo Dobbs is, and the dude is fast, Christian's faster, and that's staggering because I'm watching Romeo and it's like, holy cow, this guy is just flying. Eight targets, eight receptions, seventy three yards. Goodness gracious, Almighty. It's kind of funny too. There's, and it's, I mean, granted, it's, it's a fairly big list but not really when you consider the full history. He's one of 50 players to ever catch eight passes for the Packers. Only 29 have done it two or more times. Aaron Jones has only done it once. I know he's a running back, but still. If you look at in Rodgers' tenure, his entire career here, only 14 guys. He, he is now the 15th to catch eight passes in a game from Aaron Rodgers. And not many of them, honestly, are wide receivers. You got Devontae, obviously, he did it 35 times, not surprisingly. Jordy did it 20 times. Randall, 14. A, Greg Jennings did it eight times. Montgomery did it three times. James Jones only did it three times. Jarrett Boykin did it twice. And then Donald Driver did it once. That's the whole list in, in Aaron Rodgers' career. So that is that is an impressive showing. You want to know how many Packers did that as a rookie? Six. The last time a rookie caught eight passes with, was Keith Woodside in 1988, the same year Sterling Shepard did it as a rookie. Keith Woodside, a running back. Before that was Jerry Ellis, 1980, fullback. Before that was 1959, Boyd Dowler, flanker. Max McGee, 1954, as a left end. Billy Houghton, 1952, as a right end. Eight receptions for rookies as Packers. I'm not trying to overhype the guy or anything, I'm just saying. <laughs> Obviously, this is becoming much more common in the NFL these days. Jalen Waddell, as a rookie, did it seven times in one season. So uh rod did it six odell odell in 2014 six times justin jefferson five times these are just rookie stats saquon barkley did it four times so it's much more prominent but still pretty uh pretty cool in the last five years including this year grand total of 33 rookie wide receivers have have been able to do that it's a big day man it's a big day for the young man anyways uh continuing on defense tackles Number one by a mile, Devondre Campbell with 14. Razul was second with eight. So when I say by a mile, and by the way, after that, it drops down to five for Quay Walker, and then from there it goes down to four and then three and whatever. But um, yeah, mass. oh, sorry, Keyshawn Nixon with seven. Again, they were targeting him a ton. But anyway, solo tackles, Campbell with eight, Razul with eight, Keyshawn Nixon with six, sacks, Kenny Clark with two. So there you go again. Not paying close enough attention, apparently. Rashawn with one. Um, Tackles for a loss. Adrian Amos with one. Kenny Clark with two. I'm assuming those are the sacks. Same with Rashawn Gary. Forced fumbles. Keyshawn Nixon and Quay Walker. Um, Yards. I don't know. It must be return yards with two, Savage. Um, No touchdowns, but pass deflections or no interceptions either. Pass deflections on the day. Devondre Campbell with one, obviously very critical one. Brazil Douglas, two pass deflections. Special teams, uh, zero kick returns for the Packers. Punt returns, Amari Rogers, two of them for 21 yards. 14 yards was his longest. Mason Crosby, no field goal attempts, uh, two for two on extra point. Pat O'Donnell, seven punts, 339 yards, 48.4 average. Five punts kicked inside the 20. 63 yards was his longest. Five of seven kicked inside the 20. To compare, Jake Camarda, six punts, one inside the 20. Granted, they were kicking from a little further away, but I don't care. I'm taking the victory lap anyways. Great effort by Pat O'Donnell. Looking at some of the team stats. Time of possession, Packers won 33-26. Offensive plays, we ran two more. Offensive yards, 315-285. to 285. Yards per play, 5.2 compared to their 4.8. We did have more penalties and more penalty yards. We got killed on that a little bit. Touchdowns, we beat them. Turnovers, uh, we both turned the ball over twice, so that's very important. Those turnovers are so critical, man, and, and the fact that they earned them. You know what I mean? Punching the ball out like that, that's thats earned. And we're not talking Tom Brady throwing a, a, a duck up in the air right into your arms. Uh, passing completion percentage, Rogers 77 compared to Brady 73. Went over a couple of these things already. Rogers sacked on 2.8% of his dropbacks. Brady 6.7%, sacked on 6.7%. Yards lost on sacks, Packers 7, Bucks 20. Yards per carry, Packers 2.7, Bucks 2.4. Holy cow. Tell you what, man, that's a statement game for this defense. For a team that apparently is really bad at stopping the run to allow 2.4 yards per carry, that is, that's making a statement. And I, I told you Leonard Fournette is not that great, and I know they've got offensive uh, line issues. I don't care. 2022 offenses putting up 2.4 yards per attempt is something else. Third down efficiency, Packers 40%, Buccaneers 18%. Two of 11, they converted on third down. Fourth down, they had the only one attempt and they converted it. Red zone, they were at 100%. Obviously doesn't count the two-point conversion. That would be an extra point, I guess. Packers 67%, only because of that fumble. Passes defended, we had three, they had one. That's about it as far as things that matter, I guess. All right, let's look at their PFF recap, see if we can get a little couple more nuggets here. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers won the battle of great quarterbacks by downing Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 14-12 in week three. Both teams were dealing with injuries on offense, particularly at receiver, but it was Tom Brady's receivers who were hit harder and struggled more in this game. That's weird. I thought we had worse wide receivers. They only actually cost the Bucs a pair of drops, but there were numerous other instances where they weren't quite on the same page or able to secure the catch. That sucks. What did I say about this game, by the way? The team that is more what? Disciplined. We did have more penalties, but minimizing things like drops and miscommunications and things is going to be critical. Defensive spotlight, Devondre Campbell made the game-winning play in the end zone, breaking up a pass that would have tied the game on a two-point conversion. Campbell tipped the ball away full stretch and continued to look like he'll back up the all-pro season that came out of the blue last year. Uh, They highlighted Logan Hall, which is terrible, because Logan Hall is the one guy that I mentioned to you as being a really bad defensive lineman, at least so far. Uh, he's a rookie, so, you know, whatever. But that's pretty disappointing for a rookie who's been god-awful in two weeks to come in and just tear up the Packers' offensive line. He recorded a 19.1 pass rush win rate. I guess it's not that good. It's it's good, but whatever. And got to Rodgers at a few key moments. Uh, Green Bay Packers saw the return of Bakhtiari, but they didn't ask him to play the entire game in his first action back. He split time with Yash, who had been filling in admirably in his place. Both players allowed just one pressure in the game. So there you go. There's that. Snap counts. Lazard and Romeo Dobbs were at the top of the snaps. Lazard 56, Romeo Dobbs 55. It's pretty fantastic that they uh, put him up there. In fact, Romeo actually ran the most receiving routes of anybody, 34 compared to Lazard's 32. Um, as far as snaps, though, Robert Tunyon was next with 36. Actually, Jones, I guess, technically would be next with 39. Then Tunyon with 36, Dylan with 33, Mercedes with 22. Tyler Davis, 19. Juwan Winfrey, 13. It's they're, they're not in order, and I can't sort it, so I'm trying to not miss anybody. Josiah Aguaro with just nine. His snaps seem to get less every single week, so I, it's not trending in a good direction for him. And then three for Amari Rodgers. Only one route run, route run for him. A couple little next-gen stats. Nuggets um, didn't have anybody breaking speed barriers now that Christian wasn't playing in this game, but um, two of the incredible yard after the catch. Um, guys were on here Randall Cobb twice he ranked 19th on his 17 yard reception expected f- yards after the catch was four he ended up getting 16 yards after the catch and then he was the fourth highest on this list he's expected to get on his 40 yard reception only five yards he ended up getting um, 30 yards after the catch so 25 yards above expected Not surprisingly, if you look at time to throw for both players, Tom Brady was the second fastest. Aaron Rodgers was the fourth fastest. 2.4 seconds for Brady, 2.52 for Rodgers. Both quarterbacks were just under the gun constantly and just getting the ball out quick. Rodgers with the lowest completed air yards of any quarterback this week, at least so far, only 3.1 yards per completion through the air. Just for context, um, Kyler Murray is second, 3.7, then Matt Stafford, 4.5. Only six quarterbacks were under five yards, and Rodgers at 3.1. Um, even intended air yard, you know, take away the completions, just intend, you know, every time you throw it, what the, the intended receiver, how far is it? He was the smallest at 5.1. The next lowest was six. One of my favorite things, I think this is the second week in a row, too, when you look at aggressiveness, which tracks, you know, throwing a ball into a tight window. There's percentage. What percentage of the time are you throwing those aggressive passes? Justin Fields is, not, is the only quarterback not on the list because he didn't throw one. Matt Stafford is number two. It's tied with Geno Smith at 6.9% of his passes. Justin Fields has not thrown one. It's the entire regular season, by the way, not just week three. Not one. All year. It's hilarious. Another interesting little nugget. Again, and I, I have a feeling they do this on purpose. Again, they... they they want certain looks with the defense. Aaron Jones, the only running back this week that didn't see an eighth defender in the box at all. I don't know why they they, they do that. I feel like this is a common theme where they don't stack the box when Aaron Jones is back there, which is why he gets so many yards. A.J. Dillon, on the other hand, ranked, I don't know, one two three, four, 10th, 15th-ish, something like that, 16.67% of the time, he had eight or more defenders in the box. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, some of the quickest uh, to get behind, be, get in front of the line of scrimmage. Least amount of time spent behind the line of scrimmage, however you phrase that. Um, Looking at receivers, uh, the amount of cushion given up. Alan Lazard given uh, the one, two, three, four, fifth least, well, tied for fourth least amount of space. A lot of cushion at the line of scrimmage. So he was getting pressed up all day long. Nothing really notable on the other side, but that's that's somewhat interesting. I, th- I think it's just a, you you respect his his strength, not his speed. Right? So we don't mind pressing him because we're not worried about him getting behind us necessarily. So we don't need to give him a lot of cushion. But we do want to kind of jam him up and be physical at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Least amount of separation of any wide receiver in the NFL, Alan Lazard, 1.1 yard yards of separation on average. So there you go. <laughs> there, You know, you see Alan Lazard catching passes and usually he's got a guy draped all over him. That's it's not an illusion. Do not adjust the settings on your television. Robert Tunyon... As per usual, this is not unusual for him. Um, third most separation in the NFL among receivers, four point seven yards. Romeo Dobbs is actually quite high. I mean, there's a billion people on here, but uh, we'll count it out because it's important. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. nine, nine, nine. I'm losing my count. Fifteenth uh, and tenth among wide receivers. I'm guessing tight ends generally have more cushion. Tenth most separation among wide receivers. That's pretty good, man. (laughs) Average targeted air yards. Not surprisingly, the Packers are at the bottom. The lowest in the NFL this week, Robert Tunyon, 1.6 yards. The second lowest this week, Romeo Dobbs, 2.8 yards. Only three receivers this entire week had a 100% catch rate. Romeo Dobbs is one of them. Michael Thomas and Tyler Conklin are the only other two. And Romeo and Tyler are the only ones that had eight receptions. Michael Thomas had five. So eight for eight is quite incredible. Um, finally, we'll look at the actual game here. Uh, longest completed passes, Aaron Rodgers. This is air distance, 37.7 yards, Tom Brady, 31.5. Fastest ball carrier was Romeo Dobbs. He cracked 19.04 miles per hour. He's quick. He is, but he's not that, uh, he ain't that 22, 23 mile per hour guy. I don't think. Rashad Perriman on the other side, 20 miles an hour. Fastest sack. For the Bucks. it was Logan Hall at 5.4 seconds. Rashawn Gary, 3.9 seconds. Uh, before we wrap up, just kind of going through some of the news and notes, just kind of perusing Twitter and whatnot. Um, kind of a big development here for the uh, New England Patriots. Quarterback Mac Jones is believed to have suffered a high ankle sprain. Could miss some time, sources tell me and Ian Rappaport. This is Tom Pelissero. MRI is going to take place on Monday. That would mean Brian Hoyer will be the starting quarterback for the Patriots. I don't know if that's better or worse for us, but um, either way, that's a uh, pretty big development. Quote from Devondre Campbell on what kind of a game against Tom Brady, even without his top wide receivers, means for the Packers defense. He says, we don't need to play the Bucks to get no confidence. We know how good we can be. Keyshawn Nixon says, time to go home. We walked into their trap. We took over their trap and go home. Simple. Not entirely sure what that means, but I, I dig it. He's confident about saying it, so we'll go with it. <laughs> Andy Herman posted a picture on uh, the back of Randall Cobb. You know, they have those cutesy little hallmark sayings on the back of the helmets. His says, choose love. And he says, uh, clearly Randall Cobb wants a quarterback change. That's funny. Devondre Campbell says Packers defense knew exactly what was coming on the two-point play when the Bucks motioned wide receiver behind the tight end in the stack and singled a snag route. Quote, I just went to my instincts and trusted my instincts, unquote. Campbell got to a spot on the field for a game-winning pass breakup versus Tom Brady. That is glorious. Alan Lazard is echoing, echoing his head coach, which I haven't heard yet. Shout out to our defense. They played their butts off the entire game, and special teams, I think, was probably the biggest difference maker for us. O'Donnell punted seven times through, yeah, we saw that already. Matt LaFleur said, the game was won by our defense and special teams. That's, I uh, definitely agree with that. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting, th- too, talking about Darnell Savage uh, on the two-point play. Darnell Savage saw the ball go up in the air and arm, uh, and an arm go up and tip it. Oh, that's what he saw. Anyways, Savage was also in position. "Quote: I was locked in. I knew I was gonna make that play, so I'm happy." Devondre got a hand on it. Uh, he had a heck of a day. He deserves that. Honestly, that is a good point too. Devondre made a really good play. Savage wasn't gonna let that get caught. It, it just that that was that was a disaster from the second it left Tom Brady's hand. It was it was tight coverage. He was locked in. The only potential disaster. Is if a ref decided to get a little crazy with the flags, like they did a couple times in this game, and say, "Hey, you touched him for a half a second—that's pass interference." Uh, Bakhtiari on how he's feeling post game: "Quote, I'm pumped, full of adrenaline right now." He said, "Ask me in a couple days." Anyways, here is a uh, here's Aaron Rodgers speaking about Mr. Game Winner Devondre Campbell. Oh, I talked to him uh, right when he came off the field before the uh, before the onside kick. Uh, He's a special player. He's coming into his own as a leader. But it always amazed me, even after a game like this, to think back to a couple years ago and that nobody really wanted him. And he was out there as a late-signing free agent. And here he is, I think 14 tackles today, deflection at the end of the game. Uh, Says a lot about the type of person he is. Oh, I'd talk to him. Very, 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 very excited that Devondre Campbell is here. And... um... Again, I mean, I, I I had concerns about regression for several 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 players, and I don't know of one that is regressing. I don't. I don't think Rizul. I mean, he Rizul doesn't have the picks. I, I told you that wasn't going to happen, and I stand by that. I mean, he can still get a bunch. He can get you know two in this game, two in that game, be right back to where he was. But those numbers are they're they're always fake. They they don't they don't ever replicate like that. Especially when you start talking about pick sixes and whatnot. He was was a freak. But as far as his play level, I I would almost say I prefer him now. The physicality and the violence, blowing up plays behind the line of scrimmage, the intelligence and and just all the things he's doing. um, Just looking like a complete football player. And Devondre Campbell still playing at a high level. I mean, I, I don't care that if he's the second highest graded via PFF or any of that nonsense. I just don't want him to fall off back to, oh, wait, this is why. This is the guy that, you know, we... As he said, signed late and nobody really wanted for these reasons. Uh, Rashawn was worried about him. Don't see a reason to. Preston, if anything, is better than he was last year, which is staggering. Now, the new signing, Jaron Reed, I don't know. We'll see. Seemed like he had a pretty good day today, but um, also had some concerns about him. Um, Currently, no updates on Jair. Obviously, that'll take some time. He's going to have to meet with the trainers and whatnot, and then that'll report back to Matt LaFleur, and we'll get more information or whatever. Um, speaking about the rotation for David Bakhtiari, I, as soon as I saw Bakhtiari on the sideline, I could hear all the Packer fans screaming, I told you he's not going to make it through a whole game, but he obviously came back in the game and was kind of, it was, it was a rotating situation. Matt LaFleur said we didn't want to go from zero to 60 with Bakhtiari. So just like the bears are rotating guards, I guess the Packers are rotating tackles right now. We'll see. Got to see how he holds up. That again, that's my, that's always been my biggest thing the concern about his ability to uh, to hold up after his return. So if he can stay healthy, if there's no setbacks after this, that's all I care about. Keep rotating for another week or two. I couldn't care less. Apparently there's a weird thing. I'm going to play this. I had to listen to this like five times to figure out what this means. I'm going to play it for you. Aaron Rodgers after the game, hinting that he had kind of Given the Packers some kind of a hint as to what to run on defense, I guess. I don't know. Here's what he said. What was going through you during the two-point conversion, especially after you saw the fact that they took the five-yard penalty? Well, they should have on the previous play, too. It was a delay on both plays. But uh, sometimes you see things in the game. Sometimes the jumbotron shows things they probably shouldn't show, even at home. Uh, I saw something and just passed on the information. What was going so? Kind of a weird answer to a weird question, but Aaron Rodgers apparently was watching up on the jumbotron and saw what the 49ers are trying to do twice. He saw what they tried to do on that first play, and um, apparently there was that delay, of ge- you know, the delay of game that got pushed back or whatever. But whatever they showed on the jumbotron, Rodgers saw it. Walked over to Matt Lafleur and said, "Hey, you know, this, that, or the other." Matt Lafleur was asked about it. If Aaron Rodgers gave him a hint on the two-point conversion play, he said, uh, yeah, he came over and we shared a few things. So um, whoever's <laughs> operating that jumbotron, I promise you Tom Brady is going to be giving him an earful. Stop showing the opposing quarterback who really is good at this stuff what the heck we're doing. I want those things turned off. <laughs> uh, apparently the rotating tackle thing was was something that um, Matt LaFleur insisted on. David Bakhtiari apparently was very upset by it. Did not want it to be a thing, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh Aaron Rodgers specifically highlighted Pat O'Donnell, Rudy Ford, and Keyshawn Nixon in the post-game press conference. So, I mean, these these are the guys that were brought in for special teams and they're getting it done, man. I'm I'm excited about that. Matt LaFleur gave a shout out to Keyshawn Nixon. Um, he said Nixon really shined after coming in uh for the injured Jair Alexander. But yeah, that's about it, man. That's that's all I got just got to watch replay that uh, that game and yes yeah, Savage was never going to let that that was never getting caught in a million years. We'll say this though man, we got uh we got a I don't want to say an easy stretch because it's football and stuff happens but you know compared to Tampa Bay, we've got the what? Now one and two New England Patriots after they lost to the Baltimore Ravens, um Patriots finally managed to score more than 20 points in a game with their struggling offense and just lost their quarterback, so and this is in Green Bay. Remember what I said. I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves here as far as next week's matchup, but the Patriots look decent at home. That's why I actually picked them to beat Baltimore. They, they, last year, they were terrible on the road. The first two games were on the road. I thought maybe they kind of explode. Well, they kind of did. They managed to get up to 26 points. Unfortunately, Baltimore scored 37. But this is going to be back on the road. So three road games in four weeks, minus your quarterback in Green Bay. That sucks. And against one of the stingiest defenses in football. Then we got the Giants. That'll be interesting to watch this uh, Dallas Cowboys-New York Giants game. Kind of hope they come back down to earth, although I don't know that they've been all that high to begin with. Um, they barely beat the Tennessee Titans, who are a pretty bad football team, and then barely beat the Carolina Panthers, who we know are a pretty bad football team. Unfortunately, they're going up against seemingly a pretty bad Dallas team, and then they're going up a pretty bad Chicago Bears team. So it's not impossible they end up 4-0, and this gets t- touted as some kind of a big matchup, but I don't know that it will be. Then you got the Jets. Again they had one one pretty prominent game against the Cleveland Browns it's kind of a shocker a complete collapse by the Browns defense but otherwise they lost 9 to 24 to the Baltimore Ravens and just this week lost to the Cincinnati Bengals who have been massively struggling 27 to 12 so their offense is quite putrid again i don't know how they got 31 against Cleveland but you know looking at our defense and so far they've allowed 24 30 and 27 points so one of the uh, less good offenses and defenses in the NFL in the New York Jets, which is as expected. Then we get Washington. Prior, this is all prior to Buffalo. Um, Washington beat the Jacksonville Jaguars twenty-eight to twenty-two, lost to the Detroit Lions thirty-six to twenty-seven, and then got absolutely stomped out by the Philadelphia Eagles twenty-four to eight. So these are very, very, very winnable games, obviously, until we get Buffalo. Buffalo, by the way, just lost this week. Um, I'll be recapping a little bit of these games and kind of what, drop my phone, what they mean and whatnot. But one of the things I said is there's a couple teams that are due to come down to earth and Buffalo is one of them. I still expected them to win the game, but what they were doing was wildly unsustainable. I think I picked them to win the game. Um, I also think, let me look at the score real quick. Yeah, I said 28-21. I, th- I thought it would be a little bit lower scoring. It was even a little lower scoring than that, and Buffalo came out below that. Actually, I said Del- Dolphins had scored 21, and I got that right. I just expected the uh, Bills to get one more touchdown out of the game. Anyways, um, this was sort of their come-down-to-earth moment. The defense still only allowed 21 points, which is pretty solid, but only scoring 19. And 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 this is what's going to happen. Nobody stays up that high all the time. Kansas City's another one. They're getting way too much credit. I said that but I still picked you know, them to win. I wish I'd have just stuck with my... The one game I stuck in my con- convictions was New England, and that was the wrong one. I said Kansas City's not that good, but they're not going to lose to Indy because Indy's been playing like garbage. They did. Kansas City fell apart. In fact, I was just looking at something. Where was that? Um, uh, Pat Mahomes and Eric Bienemy were absolutely getting into it on the sidelines. And I, I said this last year. I should, I should save this for tomorrow, but I, I said this that there are problems. The locker room does not like Eric Enemy. This was a big thing, last, and they all came out like, oh, that's not true, we love the guy. But there were fights all the time, people screaming in Biennium's face. They don't like the guy. And, you know, it's real easy to pretend everything's hunky-dory when you're winning, but you lose to a, a team like the Colts because of stupid, you know, decisions and whatnot. Things are going to unravel real quick. And the fact that you have one loss and it's already unraveling, that's, uh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> and it was Andy Reid that like pulled Mahomes off of him. I mean, not not they weren't like on each other. But Andy Reid was like, "All right, come on now, just let, let him come on, leave him alone, let him let it go." <laughs> and there's a video of uh, the Bills' offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey losing his mind and smashing stuff. It's funny because there's <laughs> there was a camera on him. He's th- he throws his headset and then he's smashing all his papers. And somebody comes over and like covers the camera that was there, kind of recording him. Throwing a temper tantrum. So, anyways, yeah, we'll we'll go over some of this stuff because we got to kind of recalibrate what it is we think we know. Uh, 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 I just I want to start recording tomorrow's podcast right away right, because right, I want to talk about it. But uh, Vikings offense isn't as good as we thought. We'll leave it at that. I know they won. I don't care. That's the teaser. That'll that'll be your homework assignment for tomorrow. Bring your thoughts to class. Anyways, I'm gonna leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Please remember to call in six zero eight five zero one zero seven one eight just call in leave a message with your thoughts comments opinions looks like i only have four calls after a victory over tampa bay so i don't i get to go to bed today so thanks guys anyways have a good one good night